Welcome to another episode of the Ambitious Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Sabine, the Purpose Lawyer. Thank you for listening and thank you for helping me be on purpose. So one of the things I was thinking about is how, you know, you can get to a certain stage in your life, whether you be, you know, uber successful or successful in your eyes, whatever it is, and things can still happen to you. We always think that nothing can happen to us, you know, like we're just invincible until things start to manifest. And we could see like within the last year with COVID how, you know, just nothing is promised. And you know, I w- I'm always here talking about the documents that you need to have in place and how you need to plan. But more important than that is also the people that you need to have in place. So why was I, you know, sort of thinking about all this is Wendy Williams has been in the news um, lately. And I really have an affinity for her because I used to listen to her radio show. And so she moved to to the to the talk show. It was a different dynamic, but really, really sort of liked her for some reason. Um, so it kind of bothered me that she has been in the news. There's been talk that she either had a stroke or um, some sort of, you know, illness or maybe, you know, drug abuse. And the latest thing is that she's been suffering from some sort of mental disability. So whether it be dementia or something else. And so what happened was because her banker um, felt that, you know, something wasn't right or that she needed some sort of level of protection, he went ahead to court and told the court that they needed to get involved which is really not the best thing that you do when somebody sort of when you <laughs> when you feel like that that's the situation unless something critical is happening that that you need to stop but really any in any event that's what he did and so the courts froze her assets and so if the courts freeze her assets now she doesn't have access to the assets that she needs to care for her everyday life right so now she had to file a lawsuit to try to get access to that and now it just open up a big can of worms right and so The problem with all of this is because now she's out of control. Now, if the once the courts step in and they get involved with deciding who's going to manage your assets and putting people in place and those people got to get paid. And of course, it's not going to be cheap. You know, now she's not in control as to how she would want things to go. And so what should have happened in this case, and this is giving me, you know, Britney Spears vibes, right? This is what it sounds like. Somebody else comes in, they just take over and you're out of control and you don't get to decide what happened. So what should have happened in her case is that she should have had some planning in place. And so the thing about planning is that it's specific to the person's life, right? So Wendy, we know because it's in the news and always has been that she's had a history of drug um, drug abuse, that she's had, you know, health issues in the past and she's had other sort of like maybe emotional issues in the past. And so given that, <laughs> given, you know, that and the high stakes that she is a high net worth earner, et cetera, there should have been at least in my opinion, a trust in place for her. So now, how would this have played out if she had a trust? All of her assets would have been owned by her trust. Her bank accounts, you know, everything's owned by the trust. She puts somebody, a person, right, in place or maybe a company or or trust company that she, you know, is comfortable with and feels like would have her best interests in mind. Puts them in place. They would, upon there being a concern of her not having capacity, not being able to make her decisions, then be able to to manage her assets. So what does that mean? 
the show continues, right? Maybe not her show literally, but the show goes on, right? All of her her um, expenses and whatever is necessary to keep her life going and keep her comfortable and give her what she needs, that continues. Why? Because there's somebody who has all the directions, all of the, you know, the rules, all of her desires. Somebody knows that and knows what to do if something happens. That's what happens when you put a trust in place. But even if she didn't have a trust, let's say, let's say, that's aspirational at this point, right? If she at least had a, a healthcare proxy in place, a healthcare proxy would be able to say, okay, if something happens to me where I can't make health decisions for myself, then there is somebody else who can make these decisions. And that person will be able to say what type of treatment she needs and et cetera, et cetera. That person will be able to be a, either a guardian for her or a conservator for her who basically steps in and can make decisions about her life. So now we don't have somebody else who is assigned by the court, who she has no idea who they are, coming in to make decisions. Another thing, even probably more important, you know, given her situation, would have been a power of attorney. A power of attorney would have said that there's this individual who gets to make the financial decisions for me if I can't make them for myself. And she could say, does she want a doctor to decide that? Does she want a loved one or whoever, whomever it is that she wants to make that decision? All of this would have avoided this situation that she now finds her in. And I really just hope that people start to think about these things so that they know that there are steps, simple, easy steps that you that put in, that you can put in place, especially given somebody who doesn't have money as an issue, right? Who's not even concerned about that and as far as dollars go. It's there's really some simple measures that can be taken to really cover these type of situations and scenarios. So I talked about a few things. I talked about a trust. I talked about healthcare proxy, power of attorney. And given her situation uh, as it relates to possibly having dementia, that is really something that's really sensitive as well. Because if that is the case, there are some steps that need to be taken. There, there needs to be some direction as to how do you want to be cared for in that type of situation? How do you want to be treated? How do you want your life to go if th those type of things occur? So it's really important that you take the power that you have to make these decisions for yourself. And if you know a loved one or somebody else, have these conversations because that's the problem. People like her don't have people in their corner who have their best interests in mind, right? And I'm definitely overgeneralizing here, but <laughs> when when people don't have um, people in their corner who don't have their best interests in mind and don't tell them, hey, are you sure? Do you not have these things in place? You want to make sure. Have you have you ever thought about this? Because that's how we sort of get the word out. That's how we sort of get people mobilized and sort of moving and getting their financial life in order. It's all related people. It's not just about the documents, but it's about just, you know, living your best life going forward. So today I'm going to be talking about a different type of asset, right? That's also going to likely be part of your future legacy plans going to need to be protected. Um, you know, what I've been saying lately that, you know, we need to continue to have these conversations about the digital world. And I've been apparently coining it the digital revolution. So it's it's NFTs, virtual land, all that good stuff. I'm super excited for you to hear this conversation because it's a very different take on what we normally hear about this and sort of like ties it into how it is critical for our everyday lives to start thinking about these things and moving in this direction. So let's get into it with my next guest, Kareem Hayes, also known as Inf the Author. 
All right. Welcome to the Ambitious Legacy Show. Imp the author, Kareem Hayes, how are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm really excited to be here today. Okay, awesome. But well, I'm excited to have you. Guys, if you don't know this man here, he's he's a, he's doing a lot of things and he's done a lot of impressive things. He has an incredible story that he's going to share with us. So we're just going to kind of get into it. So tell me a little bit about or the audience also a little bit about your background. How did you get to where you are? Like, I know you have a really colored path and mm -hmm. you like to share about that. So tell me a little bit about that. OK, well, I'm a self-published author. Right. Um, I sold 150,000 copies of my book, Completely Independent. Wow. Um, book is called Necessary Evil. It's uh, loosely based on my experiences and how I was fortunate enough to change my life around using African-centered metaphysics. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's a powerful piece. It's also based on the social ecology of New York's drug trade during the mid to early 90s. Um, yeah, it's a really great book. Uh, what what led me to that was um, I had a rough background like mm -hmm. growing up. Mm -hmm. um, I could go through the story, but a lot of times I feel like my story is cliche, you know, because <laughs> so many um, young men from our background, you know, from mm -hmm. the hood have sold drugs and been in prison and been in, in, in trouble and stuff like that. But I can mm -hmm. tell you one thing. Even when I was running around the street doing the wrong thing, mm -hmm. I knew that I wanted to pursue my art. Mm -hmm. I, I knew okay. that I, I knew that after 30, I wouldn't smoke weed and I wouldn't drink and really? I would change my life around. Yeah, who wants to do life in prison? Like, <laughs> I don't care about what nobody's saying. Whatever rap song you heard, jail is it's, not cool. It's not it. Jail is not fun. Mm -hmm. Being shot is not fun. It hurts. You bleed a lot and you <laughs> you end up with reoccurring ailments afterwards. Wow. So, you know. What, um, was the, what was the pivotal moment for you, though? Because obviously you had this vision that, okay, I'm not going to do this forever. Mm hmm but what made you say, okay, now is the time? Mm. Um, I don't know. It was like an amalgamation of things. Okay. Like just being fed up. Okay. Um, you know, having children. I have my kids. You okay. Know, I have three children. Okay. Um, that that added to it, and just knowing that I had to evolve. I, I right. really can't say it was one thing because, you know, even after I got shot, I still mm -hmm. like thought I was like Tupac. <laughs> you know, like I, I thought right. I was tough after right. that. You, mm -hmm. you know, he was like, I mean? "Oh, got my stripes. I'm yeah, good now." Yeah. You, you, know, you, know, you know what it is. I keep it real with you. Mm -hmm. It's um being conscious, just being from a conscious background. And okay. when I say conscious, no particular faith. So you know, I'm not Muslim or Christian or anything. I'm okay. I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. And when you're being a conscious person, it's like I can't serve two masters, right? right. I can't sit here on one side and call myself like a street guy or something like that when that's contradictory to what my core beliefs are you know right. my core beliefs mm -hmm. is that you know us as a people you know we're, we're the progenitors of all mankind you know every ology that exists we created mm -hmm. and you know how can i be wise and civilized and and still be a, a street person and right. be selling oh. drugs and poisoning my people right so. I, that's that's powerful but you said you came from like a conscious background like so where was that deposited or where can you pull that where did um, you pull that from I, I stayed with my dad for like two years okay and my dad is like a, a big he was like a big part in my life you mm -hmm. know um when i came to him i had already came from like a crack house okay you know so when i, when I came to my dad mm -hmm. I had sores all over my leg. I didn't even oh, know wow. how to bathe. I was like 10, 11 years old. Mm -hmm. And um, he was like, listen, man, we're going to change this around. Mm -hmm. You know, so my dad used to get me up at 
Six o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. um, he used to have me run like two miles a day. Wow, at 10? Mm-hmm. Then I used to have wow. to do push-ups on my knuckles. Mm-hmm. Um, he's My dad is really militant. Shout mm-hmm. out, Dad. Love you, Dad. <laughs> you know, he's a principal right now at Watley High School. Oh, awesome. And, um, yeah, it was my father that instilled that in me. And, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, he had me read the autobiography of Malcolm X when oh, I was wow. 11. You that know, is so powerful. When I read that, that changed my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I, want, I wanted to be like that guy, mm-hmm. you know, so... That was a big deal. And I still ran away from home. I, I ran away from home at, at 11 years old. Got at in the 11 street. years old. Yeah, got in the street. You know, I ended up being in foster care and mm-hmm. just in and out of trouble. But the thing was, was the lessons that he gave me. Never left. They never left. And mm-hmm. I took them with me everywhere. And one thing that he used to do when I used to come home from school, I would be like, my homework would be like five pages. Mm-hmm. So he would say over the weekend, you're going to read the whole book. The whole textbook. Wow. And See, like, and my daughter thinks I'm bad. Wait, wait till I get home. <laughs> and he would say, well, you know, as a black man in America, mm-hmm. um, it's not it's not good enough to be twice as good. Mm-hmm. You got to be three, four, five times, ten times as good. So yeah. that mindset I applied to everything I did in life. You mm-hmm. know, like my friends used to get mad at me. I don't go to the gym as much as I used to. I still work out. But right. I used to go to the gym an hour earlier before my friends just so I could have... <laughs> An hour workout up. before they get there, and mm-hmm. then work out with them while I'm exhausted. Because I always had this mentality to 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 be competitive, and be better than other people. You got to like push more than double, two, right. three, four, five times, like you know, to the point of like ah exhaustion. Right, right. So that that and- that work ethic has always like helped me down. Um, if it's all right, like even segue into like how I sold all those books. Yeah, because I was gonna I, ask yeah. you, like, so. I see where the passion came from to get the book written, mm-hmm. right? So how did you sell 150,000 books so, so <laughs> independent? I, so I went through a bad breakup. You know, always take your breakup energy and use it for something. <laughs> but I went through a bad breakup. Then I was staying on my friend's couch. So he's mm-hmm. like, what you going to do with your life? I'm like, yo, I'm going to sell books. So, <laughs> so I took a he's box. like, what? <laughs> yeah. So I took a box of 33 books and I sold them in a blizzard. Because I had no money, so I really needed the money. So you know how you have the awnings of stores? Yes. I would be under the awning like, hey, what's up, brother? Can I show you my book? Hey, can Mm. I show you my book? And And it was people outside buying books in the blizzard. Yeah, so I sold 33 (laughs) books in the blizzard. So that's that's when I took that as, yo, this is what God wants for me because it's all Mm -hmm. I had. And Mm -hmm. I continue to do it. I mean, I can show you pictures of me like... On Black History Month, with like um, on Black Friday, with a big sign, hey, you need to buy black with a sign over my neck. You know, one time I lost my voice, okay, and I wrote a letter, and I was running around showing people the letter, like, and I passed in the book, and wow. I sold a bunch of books on that day too. So wow. I don't think I'm a good salesman. I just think that I'm honest. And, you believed and in your could, product. And people could feel the passion mm-hmm. from it, yeah. Right, right, right. That's awesome. So you wrote this book. You sold 150,000 co- copies, and you felt like there was more? Like, did you feel like this is the thing that I needed to do is continue to sell these books, or this birthed other I mean, things yeah, it, it birthed other things. Mm-hmm. I mean, the people told me it needed to be a movie, mm-hmm. which I was hoping they would say that. But okay. when, when the people told me that, I was like, yeah. And then, you know, I'm not a young guy. 
Mm-hmm. So standing outside in the cold in the summer, like all these things, it affects your body. So I was right. like, I can't keep doing this forever. Mm-hmm. Um, what's my next thing? What's the next chapter? The only next thing to do is make my book a film. Okay. And that was a long path. I got a lot of rejection. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had paid somebody to write the script. It didn't necessarily come out the way I wanted to. Okay. And then I met my writing mentor, Jamal Hodge. Okay. But you should really interview Jamal Hodge. This Jamal guy Hodge, is like okay. a smart guy. He's almost as smart as me. <laughs> I was joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Nah, but he, he's a really smart guy. Okay. And um, he's an award-winning filmmaker. And he comes from a similar background. You know, mm-hmm. matter of fact, my middle name is Jamal. The main character in oh, my wow. book's name is Jamal. Mm-hmm. And when I first stepped to Jamal, I had only sold like five. I didn't sell any books at the time. I stepped to him and I was like, yo, let's make this a movie. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, you know, where's your budget? Like right. he came with the concrete truth. Yeah, Do you have like, money? Mm-hmm. Do you have a budget? Then he looked at it, he said, it's not even edited right. I don't even want to look at this. Mm. So, you know, the average person would have felt insulted. Right. And at first I did. But I, I knew that I had to take that rejection and do something with it. Yeah. So I sold 5,000 books, paid for a professional to edit the uh, okay. the grammar and content. And not the content, just the grammar. And then I stepped to him again. Yeah. And I was like, yo, look. But at that time, I think I was maybe at 10,000 books wow. so far. But even just five or 10,000 books is a lot of books to sell mm-hmm. independent, like yeah, literally yeah, standing yeah, outside selling yeah, those books. Yeah. And wow. I did it in Philly, Boston, Connecticut. Mm. Like I would, I would drive places with a trunk full of books and mm. like just enough money for toll and my first meal. Wow. And kind of say to myself, well, I got to make this amount of money for me to even go home, for mm. me to deserve to go home. Mm. Like, so just put, you know, delayed gratification, you know, right. so, and I use that same method when I need to write or get get something done. Mm-hmm. Um, fast forward, Jamal Hodge took me to Harlem Film House where okay. I met CR Capers and they had a lot of script writing competitions. Oh, okay. So I have this firm belief that you, you enter into the kingdom of God as a child. Mm-hmm. So every time I take on a new endeavor, I don't take it on with the merit of past accomplishments okay. so i'm i didn't that is pow- that's good mm-hmm. that's good because it keeps you humble and it yeah. keeps you you know in that hungry space where mm-hmm. you're going to really go after it yeah mm-hmm. so i didn't go into harlem film house thinking i was this hot shot author who sold a whole bunch of books mm-hmm. i came in there thinking these guys are script writers these guys are in the film industry i need to get in the film industry mm-hmm. let me see what i got to do to get in right and well being willing to do that um i wrote like 10 short 10 short films um two features mm-hmm. i won an award for a sci-fi piece i wrote called the hole so it took me like a year year and a half where i got my confidence up like yo i could write scripts now too i'm a <laughs> script writer too right so yeah so that's how i got to, to that point you know to, to creating it uh, writing it as a film and stuff like that then we had to raise the money for it and mm-hmm. if i'm talking about my film project i also got to shout out another film project that i'm working on is that okay, okay? so what happened with that film project first oh it's going down oh, okay. it's, go- <laughs> it, it's going down we releasing it in the summer this summer yeah this summer oh, wow. um we got mm-hmm. some good supporters anita durst mm-hmm. who is like she runs Shashama and the Durst Foundation. They okay. do a bunch of a whole bunch of art events because I paint too. Okay. You know, it's like a whole other segment. We're not gonna do that today. <laughs> I was gonna but, say, I told you guys he does a lot of things. <laughs> but you know, me mm-hmm. being an artist, I met her and so she's the executive producer on the film. Mm-hmm. Um we just connected with Knights Dow. So okay. Knights Dow is a uh is a, is a crypto exchange platform. Mm, okay. And, you know, they I've been courting them and they've been talking to me like, yo, so I think that they're going to get on board. We're okay. like, we're like 
the, we're waiting for the ink to dry now, right, literally. Right. So okay. probably by the time this interview is out, the, the ink have dried. Okay. But yeah, just working with with them, I got them on, on board this book for the necessary for evil. the necessary this evil. Movie. So okay. I got some really big partners. Harlem Film House, you know, they do a lot of really good stuff for people of color and our mm -hmm. community that's getting into the film industry. So CR Capers, mm -hmm. she's a big part of it. And then um, director Jamal Hodge, um, you know, uh, uh, Hodge Cinema House is okay. the name of the company. Mm -hmm. And um, he's making me number two with that company, too. So, you know, oh, aside me. from me, <laughs> aside from me convincing him right. to jump on board and direct my stuff. You know, he he's convinced to add me to his team. So okay. that's dope. You know? So um so, and then you said you have another film project I, that you're working on. How did that how did those two things connect? Okay, so how does the I mean, I just started writing scripts. So oh, I've okay. been I've been in the community writing scripts and mm -hmm. um a good friend of mine named Glitch, I know I'm throwing out all these names, but a good friend <laughs> of mine named Glitch, he introduced me to JL Shot That. Okay. Um JL Shot That is like the visionary behind all of New York drill. Like, you know, mm. so Fabio Foran, Pop Smoke, Little Tay, all these guys that worked with JL. Okay. And um, JL being a, a dope director, um, a v dope visionary, he wanted to do something bigger than just a music video. He wanted to do a film. Okay. So I'm like, yo, I'll write it. So now, you know, <laughs> we got this series that we're working on. We're going to start shooting in March called AMRAC. And, you know, mm, okay. Am yeah, so AMRAC is going to be dope. And, it's and this the, is, is, is this around their whole crew? Is it what it's about? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. It, it's 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 I'm not I can't I'm not supposed to give too much of it okay, away because it's so new. Like I can tell you more <laughs> about necessary. I can tell you about that. Okay. But I can say that it, it's heavily based about the Jamaica Queens community. Oh, okay. And um, you know the word mixy. You know what mixy yeah, means. Know what All right. So yeah. Uh, so Jamaica Queens is mixy. <laughs> mixy. Well, I grew up in Rosedale, which is like oh, okay. it's next door, but it's yeah, not Jamaica. Yeah, it's not Jamaica. Yeah, so. Okay. So you was outside. So yeah, yeah, a so, little, yeah, a little bit, a little bit, <laughs> yeah. right? So mm. yeah, it's about how mixy Jamaica Queens is. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's an urban genre, urban drama, mm -hmm. cautionary tale, gotcha. um, and it, it, it's a dope piece. And, and unlike Necessary Evil, which is based on the book, kind of mm -hmm. like based on my life work, mm -hmm. this one is a collaborative effort with the community. So it's really okay. community based. You know, with Necessary Evil, I had a lot of professional actors. Mm -hmm. With this one, we taking people that like might have never acted before. Okay. And they're getting different workshops and stuff like that. And uh, that's that's kind of dope too. Yeah. That's and, like and, a... and we also have Corey, King Corey, okay. and Kayla is a part of it, and Glitch is a part of it. You know, Kayla walked, worked with a lot of um, court TV shows and Jerry okay. Springer, so she's the producer. Mm -hmm. And Corey is also a director. He worked on the set of um, Power. And oh, cool, which is cool. our EIC, so you know, he's an executive in charge. Well, I'm excited to yeah, big, see big, that project come to pass and, and be able to big. take a look at it. But so, in the midst of all of this, <laughs> in the midst of all of this, how have you found the time to become now? I know that you do a lot and you speak a lot about um, the metaverse and digital, you know, the whole digital revolution that's happening. Mm -hmm. How did you get into that and get so knowledgeable? Well, well d during the pandemic, when the pandemic um, started, mm -hmm. I got scared and mm -hmm. I didn't care about the film or mm -hmm. my dreams anymore. All I, <laughs> all I cared about was providing for my wife and my children. I was like, yo, what's yeah. going to happen? Is the mm -hmm. world going to go into a crisis? Oh, 
car. Right. So like you know, everybody else. Yeah. Right. So I'm wrapping my head up just to go to the store. I'm like <laughs> putting extra stuff on my face. I right. look like them people when they go to the beehives. That's how I used to look <laughs> yeah. going to the store. Mm. And um, a friend of mine said, "Yo, put some money on Ethereum." Mm. So I had put like three hundred dollars on Ethereum. I bought mm. one Ethereum for three hundred dollars. My wife bought some too. Oh, three hundred dollars. Um, that's yeah, that's yeah, great. Yeah. So and then a little while later. That three hundred was like seventeen hundred dollars. Mm. So I said, "Wait, wait, 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 wait! What am I doing?" Like, yeah. said, let me let me put some focus on. I think I need to pay attention to this, right. you know. So, mm. um, he turned me on to this game called Decentraland. Okay. Um, me being a game—that's a game. A game. Okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a game. It's a metaverse game. Okay. And me being from the background that I come from, mm-hmm. you know, my great grandmother on my father's side owned mm-hmm. a house. Okay. And I, I know so many black families that have a story where we owned a house. My great-grandmama owned a house, and then mm. somebody gave us some money, and they we all moved to the projects because we thought the projects was better mm. than owning our own house. Haven't I been talking about this, folks? Mm-hmm. So I said, Dad, you know, <laughs> well, this is virtual land. I don't got enough money for a house, mm-hmm. but I got enough money in my drawer to buy a piece of land. Mm. So I had this burning desire. Like, I don't know what it was. It's like, it was it was literally from land. the bottom of my stomach mm. that said, yo, you have to buy this land. At that time, I didn't know anything about crypto. Mm-hmm. So I did what I had to do, and I bought a piece of land in Decentraland. You know, that that $1,000 piece of land, I've been getting offers. Like, right now, mm. two years later, I'm getting offers for like $10,000, $12,000 for something I spent $1,000 for. So I'm two never going to sell it. Yeah, so I'm never going to sell it. For anybody, right. I'm never, I'm never going to sell it. I'm never gonna sell it. <laughs> right. But just the idea of that mm. let me know that I need to get into this sector. Yeah. I needed to understand this space. Um, so how does this work? Because you're saying this is a game, and within mm. this game, you can purchase land. Mm-hmm. Why is that valuable? Like yeah. because, because in in the metaverse and in these games, you're still doing like real world activity. Mm-hmm. And then for me mentally, what I was thinking was, I was like, well, the world's going into a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, the the idea, like the 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 way we feel about hygiene and germs, <laughs> right like, now, is going to be different. <laughs> right. You know, people are going to like. I looked at Zoom. And I said, well, the stock in Zoom is going up. Mm-hmm. People are investing in Zoom. Right. People want to have more Zoom meetings. It's it's more acceptable to work remotely. Mm-hmm. This land has to be the future of things. Wow. And then I looked at the type of companies that were investing mm-hmm. in it. You know, you have Atari mm-hmm. investing in it. You mm-hmm. know, you have people like Steph Curry getting into yeah. it. You know, mm-hmm. Snoop Dogg getting into it. And then all these other bigger companies. So it was just like a natural thing. You know, um, right. I'm not a person that's, I'm not really good with like the stats. I couldn't tell okay. you the statistics. Right, I'm a right. person that kind of moves off of instinct. Mm-hmm. And my soul told me that this is what it is. Mm, I, okay. I, I looked at the blockchain and if I wrote it, if I showed you a picture, they couldn't see it. But right. when you look at a model of a blockchain, it looks like this. Looks mm-hmm. like a bunch of blocks connected by like one thin strand. Yeah. And when I saw the blockchain, I said, this is digital DNA. Mm. This is what DNA looks like. That's this is digital DNA. Mm-hmm. And then they, I said, how do you control people? What makes the blockchain valuable? What makes the blockchain valuable is data. Mm-hmm. That string of data, that string of information. Mm-hmm. How do you control mankind? You control mankind by knowledge. So this is mm-hmm. knowledge and data that's chronologically ordered that can't be altered. Right. And we know where we come from. Our history has been altered. You right. can't alter the history of the blockchain. That is so good. I wasn't even thinking about that. Mm-hmm. How 
us as a people, right? There's mm-hmm. so many things that happened in our history that many of us are just not aware of yeah. because it was erased and it was intention- intentionally done. But mm-hmm. this will never be able to be erased. You can never erase it. And mm. and every address is transparent. So mm. if you wanted to know what Bill Gates was doing with his Ethereum, you mm. can look up his address and see what he's doing. Mm. So there's no transaction that could be hidden. That's why they caught like a couple billion from those guys that stole money mm. years ago. Oh, because really? you can't, you, you could never... You have to be transparent with the address. So it can be traced back to it where? It always can be traced uh, back. So okay. I was like, this thing is going to take over the world. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's mm-hmm. kind of like, I'm jumping around. Is that okay? No, yeah, we're good. You know, when, with, mm-hmm. with you being a lawyer, mm-hmm. and I was going to say to you that everything is going to be on the blockchain. That, I know. That, so this that, has been the conversation. Yeah. This has been so like my internal conversation. Everything has been pushing me to like, yo, this is the next mm-hmm. thing. Everything is going to be on the blockchain. Mm-hmm. My prediction is that uh, stocks are going to be replaced by coins. Mm. Um, every ledger is going to be replaced by an NFT, mm. as opposed to all that paperwork you got to sign and yeah. all that stuff. That stuff is crazy. So how does how does that work? How does the NFT work? Because now, so now we're out of Decentraland, right? Mm-hmm. So we're just on the blockchain. Mm-hmm. How does how do NFTs replace paper? Like, well, and well, why do N- we? Well, NFT is a custom token, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it's a to- it's a token that has the definition that you def- how you minted it. So okay. you could have minted a book. You could have minted a piece of art. Mm-hmm. You can mint some music. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's going to move to, like, I got land minted. Mm-hmm. You're going to start getting real land being minted. In the real world. In the real world. Okay. And it's going to be represented by an NFT on the blockchain mm-hmm. because it's going to be a lot more convenient for you to purchase that NFT mm-hmm. and the, the, the transfer of ownership to go to you just from a simple crypto transaction right. than opposed to sitting somewhere and paying a whole bunch of money. Yeah, as, so all as, that paperwork, those e- recording of the deeds and doing even, all that even stuff. Even as we speak, mm-hmm. NFTs are replacing credit. You know, you got people mm-hmm. who they could get in the clubs, they could go certain places because they have an $80,000 board ape. Mm. So are you serious? So because I own like this piece of art, mm-hmm. um, that's just sort of signifying my value or my yeah, status. Your, your status in uh, life, yeah. So those things are like starting to represent that, you know? Wow. How far off is this? Like how soon? I get, For me, it feels like any moment now. Really? But I But people will say maybe 10 to 20 years. But mm-hmm. every time you look up, something's changing mm-hmm. and things are different. And then when you look at the world... Uh, we're in World War Three, right? I don't want to scare anybody. Yeah, no, you're right about we're, we're that. I've been War having III. that in the back of my yeah, mind. People, like, okay, people don't look at the layers of it, right? right? Like, you know, you eat fatty foods for about ten years, and then next thing you know, you have this irreversible high blood pressure and, mm-hmm. and cholesterol. So, mm-hmm. I think what we see happening overseas right now mm-hmm. is the symptoms manifesting from the What's disease that on. was already internal, because mm-hmm. like. Uh, even during the whole Bitcoin and crypto battle, mm-hmm. you know, you had a point where China was dominant over uh, blockchain mining. Okay. And then they denounced it and kicked all the miners out. Right. Then America started to get dominion over it. But mm-hmm. then now there's a whole competition for who's going to have the world dollar, you know. Mm-hmm. And China is fighting for that. Um, America is somewhat losing its power I as see. a mm-hmm. as a superpower. Mm-hmm. It's, it's losing the allure. It right. still has the power, but it, uh, America's image has mm-hmm. been tainted, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah. then you have that financial war that was going on. Then you have a war going on with the supply chains, right? Mm-hmm. So why uh, is America being blackballed? Why is it taking so long for supplies to get here, mm-hmm. right? Then we have the other thing that I'm not going to speak about that some people could say 
it might have been germ warfare mm. or mm-hmm. biological warfare for right. that thing to pop off the mm-hmm. way it did and, and how it shaked the whole world up. Yeah. And now we have a physical conflict because these guys want to be cool with NATO. Yeah. You know, but all this stuff was brewing. Then right before the physical conflict, uh, Russia says, hey, yo, we mess with Bitcoin and Bitcoin is legal over here. Ah. Maybe they're saying Bitcoin is legal over here because they know that they're about to get a whole bunch of sanctions from the from NATO mm-hmm. when they go invade the Ukraine. Mm, right? Yeah. But the sanctions can't harm them if most of their balance sheet is in Bitcoin. You're right. That makes I mean it all these things are sort of like they're they're all sort of coming together. And what I've been hearing like in the news and you know what's been going on with all this 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 the digital revolution, which I like to call it, is that yeah, there's going to be a shift of power. Have you ever read the book nineteen eighty four? No. So it's a very interesting book. It's about, um, I can't even like really describe it in a, in a succinct way, but basically it talks about the fact how the continent and the government as we know it are sort of going to shift and merge. And so there'll be like, you know, North America will be part of, and South America will be one nation. And then like um, Asia and Russia will be one nation. And so it it's it's showing signs of that, how mm-hmm. things are sort of shifting, powers are shifting. America's not, you know, won't be the, you know, the dollar as we, as we know it. So mm-hmm. if you read the book, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking wow. about. No, and that's I, why I it's sort of you. giving I me those vibes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, and, and I think that our community, mm-hmm. we kind of got to learn, we got to learn that and, um, and just really be on point mm-hmm. because there's going to be, and I, and I don't want to sound like dystopian. <laughs> or right, direct, right, right. <laughs> but there's going to be a big separation between the haves and the haves not, mm-hmm. the have nots. And, you know, so before you get into that, yeah. so I wanted to know, like, what do you think this meets, means for people of color yeah, or black what, people? What it means mm-hmm. for people of color is, I mean, if I had a choice and mm-hmm. I could convince everybody, I'd say to cash in all your money and turn it into crypto. Okay. You know, to take, <laughs> you know, take the bulk of your wealth and make it uh, Bitcoin or Ethereum. And then people will say, well, you know, that thing is extremely volatile and it keeps going up and down. It goes up and down. Mm. Yeah, but uh, the American dollar is consistently going down and, mm. and your buying power is consistently going down. And uh, Bitcoin is decentralized. Um, it can't be controlled the way the American dollar can be controlled. Mm. And if you got if you want to be smart, you got to do what they do and not what they say. So right. Every mm-hmm. week you're going to see something on the news that's going to be negative about cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. But when you look at what they're doing, you know, Russia added to their to their to their balance sheet. America has added to their balance sheet. Is it Google? You, yeah, as Go- well? Google is opening mm-hmm. up a blockchain department. Amazon is opening up a blockchain department. Mm-hmm. Mark Zuckerberg turned the whole name of his <laughs> thing into, into Meta. He made <laughs> right. a failed attempt at uh, coming out with a cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. Um, Amazon, uh, PayPal. Uh, what's that other thing? Cash App, Cash App turned their name to The Block, mm-hmm. right? Because everybody wants to, they want to own this thing, right? Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, if you look at the trajectory of Amazon, right before Amazon rose to power, it, it crashed 90%. And, you know, some people could say that that was intentionally done to, mm-hmm. to shake out people like us, you know? Yeah. And and that's that's the thing. That's why, like you said, you're going to start hearing negative things because mm-hmm. they want people to get out. They want the price to go low mm-hmm. so that they can get in. Yeah. And, and, then, and then, then when the price go goes low, you might not see it move because they don't buy it on exchanges like we do. Mm-hmm. They, they call it OTC, but it's over the counter. Mm-hmm. So rich mm-hmm. friends have rich friends that they say, hey, I'm going to buy 
some Bitcoin from you for 30000 because mm. you got it at 30000 right. And you're not going to see it fluctuate on the exchange. All mm. you're going to know is that the supply is low and there's not that much left. And all of a sudden it's going to shoot, shoot up, up. And, it's mm. gonna, and we're not going to be able to afford it. So, you know, you want to get in while it's low, mm. um, hodl. You know, HODL stands for hold on for dear life. Um, <laughs> okay. HODL and, 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 and really, you know, protect your wealth. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, yeah. So should, so you said you would say cash in all your money and buy Bitcoin but or or Ethereum. What about the NFT space? The, the, mm-hmm. NF, the NFT space, um, I'm, actually, I'm actually a part of an NFT project too okay. called Ugly Duck Society. Oh, yes. Tell um, me about it. So <laughs> Ugly Ducks represent, uh, you, you, have, you know the story of Ugly Duckling? Mm-hmm. So the ugly duckling wasn't recognized in the beginning and right. they thought it was ugly, but they didn't know it was a swan. Right. right? So yeah. a lot of times people from our community are diamonds in the rough, right? Mm-hmm. People from our neighborhoods, they don't really get recognized. They think, oh, you're just a hood person or you just ghetto. Mm-hmm. But until we do something remarkable, like, I don't know, come out with a dope rap album or an <laughs> right. invention, then they say, oh, my God, he's a swan. So right. that's, that's part of the concept. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, with with this NFT, there's a use case. Okay. So part of the use Tell case. Tell me about is, use case. Okay. Yeah, so, I have a little, I have some concept about it, but maybe it's for somebody well, who doesn't well, know. Well, a lot of times you'll have an NFT that's just cool art. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that that is phasing out. Okay. Unless you're like an established artist, like uh, let's think that guy Gal Yosef or something like that. Okay. You're not really going to sell your NFTs like that unless you're well known. Okay. But if there's a use case attached to it, like Board Ape Yacht Club, right? When you buy a Board Ape Yacht Club, mm-hmm. you have exclusive rights to go on the yacht party. Mm-hmm. You know, when you buy Ugly Duck, you know, you have exclusive rights to some of my classes, mm-hmm. you know, different courses about NFTs, um, mentorship that will help you in the crypto space. Mm-hmm. And we have a cool use case with girls and parties and, and tourism <laughs> throughout New York City as well. Okay, okay. You know? All right, that's dope. So where do you see this going? Like, what well, is your ultimate goal for Ugly Duckling? Um, Ugly it's, Duck. it's gonna it's gonna be like a, it's Ugly Duck Society is gonna be mm. a brand. It's gonna it's gonna be like a household name, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm mm. a writer too. So you know, I have a whole. There's a dope story behind it. I <laughs> don't want to get into the story, but the story okay. is long. It's dope. You like these mutated duts. It's super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and and make it something that's like kid friendly. Okay, and just use it as a. Uh, as an avenue to to build, you know, to okay. build financially, to build more wealth and stuff like that. But mostly educate inner city people, people that really don't know about NFTs or mm-hmm. really know about blockchain and yeah. stuff like Why that. Why do you have a passion to educate people on this stuff? Um, mm. Cause I don't want to be alone. Mm. I, I, mm. I don't want to be alone. It, it, it's, it's like a lonely space. Like, you know, when you, you know what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. you know, where we come from. And w- once you start to see the light and you're like, wow, I see this now. I want everybody to know. Yeah, and yeah. then once you start doing different things, you don't get to have, you know, I, I, I revel in the idea of, yo, we used to sit on the block together, remember? Yeah. And now we're here doing this, you right, know? So right, you, right. you want to bring your community along. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I, it's, it feels like my duty. Okay. You know what I mean? It, it feels like my duty feels to just... like your purpose. Yeah, my purpose to <laughs> right. kind of just spread this information. And I know it's vital. And I really see where the world is going if we don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if people... That's the scariest yeah, part about it. Yeah, it's the scariest part about it. Yep. You know, he's, what Rick Ross had a saying. He said, you know, your whole team got to eat. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to mm-hmm. feed everybody. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't just don't want to be the only person 
in my crew or in my neighborhood that's doing that's doing well. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing well yet. I'm just saying, like, you know, that's <laughs> don't, not... Don't that's, come knocking. Yeah, that's not doing... You know, I don't want to be the only one doing well. I want right. my whole people, everybody to do well. I want a community of people to do well. And mm-hmm. the only way to do that is information, you know. Mm-hmm. But information, that word, I love words. Mm-hmm. Um, it, to me, is a compound word, you okay. know. It, it says in formation. So mm-hmm. it has to form on the inside. So that's when you good. hear it... <laughs> It's got to, it has to resonate with you. So mm-hmm. I don't work too hard on people it don't resonate with. I understand, you know, yeah. You, you have to have something inside of you that wants more. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. That totally makes a lot of sense. So recently you did a post about like six metrics to sort of identifying or evaluating NFT. What was the post? What was the I'll six metrics? I'll tell you what it is. <laughs> I'll tell you what it is. Okay. So one was utility, then rarity, Community size, trading volume, potential, and provenance. Anything you want to expound on that, or you want to provenance? Yeah. What's provenance? Mean? <laughs> I don't know. Um, what's the first thing? Let utility. So utility, you kind of talked so about. So I talked about utility. Mm-hmm. Uh, rarity is like um, rarity is how rare it is. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of times, people have a collection. They might have like ten thousand pieces in their collection, mm-hmm. but out of ten thousand pieces, one thousand has the lime green hat. Right. right? Mm-hmm. So rarity denotes value okay. if it's rare. Mm-hmm. Um, trading volume is how much money is being spent. You know, like how much money are they trading on? Like, And you could go on OpenSea and usually like in the right hand corner, it'll just say trading volume. Mm-hmm. So it lets you know, OK, people have been trading this thing and they've been, you know, they, they made a couple million already. So this is a viable NFT project. Mm-hmm. Um, potential. I don't, I don't know what provenance means. Sorry. Um, <laughs> But potential just means like what's your what's your belief? Like where do you think this project can go? Do you believe mm-hmm. them or do you think this thing is a rug pull? Mm-hmm. You know? Okay. Mm-hmm. What's a rug pull? Yeah. Rug pull is like people who hype you up, tell you a whole bunch of stuff, say, hey, we're gonna come out with this NFT, we're gonna build an interactive metaverse and we're gonna give out free food and free water and mm-hmm. da, da, da. and then you buy the NFT and, and yeah, and then you and you don't know who the people are. Mm. You know, like you'll find some projects that don't have any customer service. They don't have a person that's willing to stand in front of it. Right. Um, That's what we're doing different with the Ugly Duck Society. Like we're actually getting out in front of it. Mm -hmm. But most of those NFT projects, you couldn't tell me who owns it or who started it outside of the Gal Yosef guy and maybe Mm. some of the board eight people. So you should be looking if you're wanting to get into this space and maybe purchase an NFT. You should be looking. Is there a true community around this? Do you know? Yeah, and and you and and, yeah, and how you can check the community is in the Discord. Okay. You know, a lot of times you'll, but then you know, some Discords are filled with bots and some Discords are filled with organic, real life people. Mm. And that's kind of like your goal. You know, in crypto, they have another slang, D Y O R. Like, mm-hmm. so it means like do your own research. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I always got to make that disclaimer too. Nothing I said is financial advice. Right. Um, but it's <laughs> but really information only. Yeah, mm. information only. But it's really important to to do your own research. See who is behind the project. Mm. How long has the project been out? Um, what's the goal of the project? What's the roadmap? What are, what's the, what are they telling you they're going to give you? And is that feasible? Can they actually deliver that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Is, are there any other um, projects that you're working on that you want to share? share yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Well, besides the Ugly Duck Society, I'm also a brand ambassador for Knights Dow. Okay. So Tell Knights, me a little bit more uh, about Knights Dow. Knights Dow is mm-hmm. a decentralized exchange, mm-hmm. but they have... a uh, Two ends. Okay. So you could get in on the front end and KYC and mm-hmm. trade uh, 
trade stocks. Okay. And or you could get on the back end and you could trade crypto. Okay. How does that work? So how does that work? Mm. Is there they so when you hear DAO, mm-hmm. they're a decentralized autonomous organization. Okay. So the people who are members, they actually have rights to vote. Okay. Based on you owning almost like the a Knights corporation token. that's decentralized. Almost like, yeah, it's almost mm-hmm. like real de- real democracy, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Because mm-hmm. no one person mm-hmm. has all the power, okay. and it's um, completely decentralized mm-hmm. on the back end. But on the front end, you can actually purchase stocks and things of that nature. So, and okay. they they're not based in New York, but mm-hmm. you can actually purchase some of their tokens if you live in New York. Okay. They're based in Singapore. Okay. Okay. And um, I was going to say something because you mentioned how you thought you, your your prediction is that there won't be a stock market. Everything will be um, on the blockchain or it'll be, you know, digital, digitally based. So <laughs> that's OK. Um, how do you envision that transition if you have a thought of how that will how that will go? I think it's going to be rough. Mm. It's going to be rough. And um, a lot of companies are going to like die yeah you know that's what I think. a lot of companies <laughs> to say it nicely yeah, yeah. a lot of companies are gonna die mm. um it, I, I see something in the world where there's these disruptive business models they keep okay. on coming out like to me uber is the blockchain of uh cab yeah the taxi service mm, to uh airbnb is the blockchain of hotels and short stays mm-hmm. um so you know what's going to be the legal disruptor right. for you. Like yeah. what's what's gonna be the disruptor for me in the film and, and book industry. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody should kind of look into the industry and have the first get that first position, first mover's advantage. Right. And say, how is the blockchain gonna affect my industry? Yeah. You know? Wow, that's great confirmation. Cause I like I said, I've been thinking in that direction because I know like that's what's you know, that's what's coming. And then that and then even that is gonna become a service, right? Because they're gonna mm-hmm. be new business models developed like um, when me and my homeboy got together to to do the NFTs, we mm-hmm. found an NFT management guy that, mm-hmm. that manages your NFT project. Right. But we didn't realize we needed it. Yeah. But, so this guy already made the next step to do that, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know... And I'm it's like th- how many years experience he has? Probably yeah. two. Yeah, there's <laughs> you know? none. Because, like, it, none. because, because nobody knows. Right, right? Yeah. NFT's really been popping for about a year. Yeah, that's true. But mm-hmm. if you get that first movie's experience, you can you can be uh, you can be ahead of the industry. Mm-hmm. You know, so maybe you're, you're going to be the first person to... Mm-hmm. Deal with legalities right. in the metaverse mm-hmm. and, and legal things. You know, OpenSea is being sued right now. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's something that you could look into because right. a lot of these companies, um, banks have insurance, right? So your money is insured. Right. Um, a lot of these NFT platforms, they don't have any insurance, so your money is not insured. Mm-hmm. But now that uh, issue happened and OpenSea got hacked, now they're being sued. So this mm-hmm. is the first time. The first so, time. So now that's like, for me, if I was in the legal industry, that's something I would pay attention to because right. now that shapes how you enter. How we operate. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and, and how everything affects. Wow. This was such a rich conversation. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. How Thank can you. people find you, follow your projects, and mm-hmm. get, get involved with what you're doing? My website is kareemhaze.com or inftheauthor.com that's i-n-f-t-h-e-a-u-t-h-o-r.com uh on instagram it's inftheauthor.com i'm I'm inftheauthor so i'm really easy to find Mm -hmm. just type in (laughs) inftheauthor um i'm attached to so many different things the necessary evil film you can also google that you could google amrak you could google uh you could go to 
Ugly Duck Society on Instagram and join that. I'm just going to give her a whole bunch of links to put <laughs> yes. under <laughs> under <very> here. <laughs> and please just 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 check me out and and get down with the movement. And um, yeah, thank you so much for All having right. me. You're welcome. You're thank dope. you. <laughs> Go on Amazon, get the book. Um, yeah, Necessary Evil Store to get the merch. That's and, right. Yeah, you know. Everything's yeah. available for you. All right, so thank you. And you're going to come back after the films are out. And I'm going we'll to come, back, come back after the film it. is out. <laughs> um, I'm going to tell her to come out in April to audition. So y'all make sure <laughs> y'all okay. yeah, flood the That'll comments. <laughs> y'all flood the comments and tell Sabine she needs to come out and audition. <laughs> and she needs to come to Crypto Mondays and hang out with more crypto people. That's definitely happening. Yeah, that's definitely happening. <laughs> and y'all make sure y'all tune in, like, and subscribe. Thank this you. Is dope. Yes. She's providing a dope service for the people. So please like and subscribe. All right. If the author telling you to <laughs> like and subscribe. All right. Thanks.